This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenal, and today we are having the second part in our Oscar Primer series, going over the Best Picture Award nominees in each of the different categories that the films are nominated. Uh, last week, we went over Darkest Hour, Lady Bird, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and this week we are going to be doing four additional Best Picture nominees. Uh, you can also follow along with my written primers, where I go over movies that are not nominated for Best Picture, and uh, four or so, three or four different movies, and what their chances are for all of their various categories. So, today... We're going to be talking about four of them, like I said. Uh, the first one is going to be Dunkirk, which was directed by Christopher Nolan and was released on July 21st. The film has eight nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director for Christopher Nolan, Best Cinematography for Hoyt Van Hoytma, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, Best Original Score by Hans Zimmer, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. So start off, Best Picture, when this movie came out back in July, it was basically the front runner, obviously because not much else had come out yet, so it was really hard to judge by, but rarely does a movie come out that early in the year that sort of gets so much attention and is able to maintain that throughout the rest of the season. Uh, this movie ended up getting eight nominations, which is very surprising. Uh, not so surprising when we've seen that Lately, more and more, the Academy seems to really been enjoying Christopher Nolan's work uh, from Interstellar to uh, Inception, and they got nomin- he got nominations for his Batman movies as well. So there really is no surprise there, but I think getting so many nominations, especially for a movie coming out so early, was quite surprising. Um, and actually, it's very interesting that in one year, we get two movies that uh, focus around a single battle, which is Dunkirk, which is about the evacuation of uh, the Dunkirk Island. And then uh, Darkest Hour is about the political side of things, focusing on Winston Churchill and things that are going on uh, in British House of Parliament. Uh, so these movies work really well together. And we talked about Darkest Hour last week. But Dunkirk does this so much better. Everything about this movie is just absolutely superior. So it is no surprise that it's here. Um, well, it seemed like the front runner coming out ever since, you know, Three Billboards won the TIFF uh, People's Choice Award and The Shape of Water seemed to be cleaning up other places and Lady Bird uh, getting basically unanimous universal praise and get out also holding steady dunkirk has really kind of fallen down uh i would i would call dunkirk the second tier of potential winners after shape of water and three billboards you've got lady bird and dunkirk with get out being right up there as well so i would say those three are kind of the second tier uh, so unfortunately, Dunkirk is not going to be Christopher Nolan's first Best Picture winning movie, uh, despite all of the praise it got. Um, that said, 
Nolan stands a really strong chance of actually winning Best Director. Uh, his strongest competition looks like to be Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Uh, but if Shape of Water does not end up being the juggernaut that it is, and something like um, uh, Three Billboards ends up kind of coming along and winning Best Picture and sweeping a bunch of other awards, you can easily see a way that Dunkirk and Christopher Nolan is the one to go. I, I've always said time and time again that I am a big advocate for director and picture not going to the same movie. And while I don't think Dunkirk was the best movie of this group, uh, I think it's very easy to say that Christopher Nolan was probably the best director in this group right up there with Del Toro. Like for me, it really is 1A and 1B between them. But if I were to vote myself, I would probably give the edge to Christopher Nolan. Uh, that said, you know, at this stage, it's too early to tell. It looks like it's Del Toro's to lose. But if he does lose it, Nolan will be the one to come and get it. Um, it was also nominated for cinematography. This movie was shot on glorious 70 millimeter film. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually see it in 70 millimeter and it really showed what is capable with this sort of camera going back. Most film was only shot uh, on 35 millimeter. And the fact that this was done on 70 is just absolutely mind boggling. Um, you know, in the past, Nolan has uh, used IMAX cameras, but he won't use it for entire movies. So he would shoot specific sequences with IMAX and we'd get this huge, much bigger, fuller screen experience for these for these specifically action scenes and it would just blow your mind with what the detail was able to cover in this and, and the light it was able to capture and using film of this quality does the exact same thing there's such a, a rawness to it and beauty to it and, and the way the sun hits the film is just so crisp and beautiful um that said if the shape of water is going to be the juggernaut that it is Dunkirk is probably going to be the runner-up in this. It's going to end up being the bridesmaid, um, unfortunately, where it was it, – I, like I just can't talk about enough about how stunning it was. Personally, my vote would probably go to Blade Runner 2049 because I'm a huge Roger Deakins fanboy. But I think Dunkirk is absolutely deserving of winning the way uh, he captures the – especially, I would say, the aircraft battle scenes, which is so difficult to shoot and make you feel the speed and the adrenaline that's going on. Everything that's going on was just done so beautifully, and there's some gorgeous light shots in this especially at the very end where um i don't want to ruin too much but uh there's a scene where there's a plane crash and what happens after that just that moment seeing the light seeing the fire and the moonlight and the water just all came together so beautifully um this movie Getting a Best Film Editing nomination is actually very good because more often than not, Best Picture winners uh, also have to go through the film editing phase. Um, and looking at the nominees, you have uh, three of the Best Picture nominees up here. So that's, you know, that means it's good for Dunkirk. It's also up against The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which, as I said, really represents 
what I would be the the top three movie contenders for best picture. Um, Baby Driver may end up winning this, but the fact is if one of these three movies kind of goes on a bit of a tear, uh, you'll tell by the film editing and that might be the real precursor to see what is going on. Um, if Baby Driver doesn't win, I could easily see Dunkirk winning this without getting best picture as well. And then we've got Best Production Design. You know, it's kind of a bit odd that this was was nominated for Production Design. I'm not too sure why. It doesn't have the same sort of sets going on that some of the other movies in this category has. You know, you have a third of your movie that takes place in an airplane cockpit. You have a third of your movie that takes place on a beach interspersed with some stuff in... uh, in a ship that's sunken or, or, or shot down that's on the, the shores and being on docks. And then you also have a third that takes place in a tiny, cramped little cruiser boat. So I'm not really sure why this was nominated for production design, even if it was really good and you got a good feel for the space that all these characters were living in at this time. It doesn't really compare to what The Shape of Water was able to bring, uh, or even you know looking at Beauty and the Beast and Blade Runner 2049. So it really does not stand a chance to to win this category regardless of uh, how things play out in the long run then you've got mr han zimmer getting his what seems like 150th nomination uh he is uh the most nominated living person i i believe it is around 50 or so which is absolutely stunning that he is so consistently great uh, he turned in another fine score that was, you know, seemed to be punctuated by the hum of the helicopter rotator blades and uh, the ship hitting the waters, the boats hitting the waters that seemed to all really kind of go into the score and a ticking watch that everything was on a deadline. Everything was very tight. Um, it looks like The Shape of Water is probably going to end up winning this. I think, frankly, this is a bit of a weaker category this year. We could see an upset from Phantom Thread with Johnny Greenwood, as I talked about last week. Um, Dunkirk maybe could win, but really, it's so tough to say. It's probably going to go to Shape of Water, which might be helping it on its way for a Best Picture win. And then lastly, I'm going to include the sound mixing and sound editing. Uh, this actually is probably a very likely uh, duo for this to win. Christopher Nolan's movies always do well in the technical categories. And stuff like sound mixing and sound editing is uh, another one that could definitely see it pulling off the double win. Uh, it's up against the same four movies in both categories which i always find fascinating when it's like that there's usually one or two outliers but this year they're all matching up which is fascinating we've got only one other best picture nominee in the shape of water in this uh, which does some pretty interesting sound design work as well uh so it could be a real head-to-head battle and then i also wouldn't count out baby driver for either of those categories because frankly to me what baby driver does with its sound is the most important aspect of that movie the way it's kind of all thrown in with the visuals uh but dunkirk really does look like this could be a front runner for it where at the end of the night it might only end up getting these two awards you know uh, 
it's tough to say what else it might also get. Um, maybe a cinematography, maybe direction, um, and maybe score, but you can probably easily lock it in that it'll win best sound editing and best sound mixing. Get Out was directed by Jordan Peele and was released on February 21st. And the film has four nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya, Best Director Jordan Peele, and Best Original Screenplay Jordan Peele. When word came out that Key and Peele's Jordan Peele was directing a horror movie, uh, I think people were pretty skeptical. And then right from when the screening started happening and it got released, there was nothing but a mountain of buzz for this movie. And so many people loved it. You know, this was a movie that took very of the time racial matters and transposed it into a horror movie, but layered it with really black comedy uh, as far as it being really dark humor and the way different groups of people reacted to it was just so fascinating to see, you know, some of the more intense, scary moments, uh, the black community would talk about how that were some of the more funny moments for them. And then some of the more quote unquote, uh, jokey, funny moments, that's where the black community found it, that that was the more tense things because based on the way their experiences have informed their worldview, you can absolutely see how things like this would happen and, and things that are traditionally scary are kind of a little more laughable, but things that are, you know, just slightly out of the ordinary, that's where the real horror comes from because this is what their everyday life can be like depending on where you are, what situations that you find yourselves in. And Jordan Peele was able to tap into that zeitgeist and produce something that is absolutely memorable in just a beautiful directed film that takes some really creative ways of looking at the world. Uh, we've known that he is a comedic genius for a long time now and actually seeing all this kind of come together and him on his own without uh, Keegan-Michael Key there to kind of buffer him and be like, oh, you know, it's the two of them together that make it work. We can see just exactly what Jordan Peele brings to the table and it's absolutely fascinating. And it came out so early in the year and it just kept getting more and more buzz and people were wondering, do you think it has a shot? Do you think it has a shot? And as award season kind of came through, it was very clear that this was one of the best movies of the year. And to see it get four nominations was was absolutely phenomenal, especially since horror movies never get this kind of love. You could say the most probably critically acclaimed movie of all time is The Exorcist. And if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think it did this well as um, as Get Out did. 
So where it stands as far as actually winning Best Picture, that's so tough. You know, I don't think the Academy wants to give a horror movie uh, an Oscar Best Picture yet, even maybe even ever, you know, much alongside with comedies, the Academy doesn't really favor that genre very well. You know, you got the same thing as sci-fi, even Westerns genre type movies just never really do well with the academy although the shape of water may prove otherwise that finally kind of a fantasy sci-fi ish not sci-fi it's not sci-fi at all but it's definitely a fantasy movie um could be the winner you know as i was saying earlier it looks like the top tier is going to be shape of water and three billboards with the second tier being dunkirk ladybird and get out so there is definitely a very realistic chance for Get Out to kind of come out on top, uh, but I think a lot would have to go into its favor uh, in order for that to happen. And at this point, I unfortunately just don't think that will happen. Uh, then you've got Daniel Kaluuya, who was nominated for Best Actor, who I think was a bit of a surprise. He turned in a fantastic performance, but I don't think people were ready to anoint it uh, that to be in the Best Actor category. And I think there was maybe towards the end of the year a bit of a ended up being a bit of a weaker year overall for the Best Actor side of things, and he definitely is up there. It looks like it's going to be. Gary Oldman's award to lose with Timothy Chalamet uh, right there nipping at his heels to probably be the real strongest contender. Outside of that, you know, it could be Denzel, um, sorry, Daniel Day Lewis with his uh, farewell Oscar, depending on how much the Academy likes that movie. Um, or Daniel Kaluuya can kind of sneak in and get that, depending on is the movie going to go for a four peat and get all four of its wins? That's tough to say. Um, there is a road for that to happen, but unfortunately, I think this is going to not be Daniel Kaluuya's e- year, uh, which is a bit unfortunate considering how great he was. Moving on to Best Director, Jordan Peele. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about him again in the next category. Managed to get three nominations, which is absolutely stunning. You know, we talk about it being a feat when uh, someone gets two nominations in a single year, usually director and picture or um, screenplay and director, things like that. But wow, absolutely cleaning up jordan peele's resume is kind of set now he is going to be able to do whatever he wants in the sort of low to mid budget range for the foreseeable future which is great and i can't wait to see what he's going to come out with next at this time i don't know if he has anything announced that he's working on if he's going to continue with the horror genre or if he is going to branch out and try something different i don't know as far as him winning best director if the shape of water doesn't end up being the best picture picture winner say if it ends up going to three billboards um and dunkirk isn't as well liked as it was there is a way for jordan peele to kind of come up there but he looks like he's going to be you know the real dark horse in this uh running behind del toro and nolan and it's unfortunate it just doesn't look like he's probably going to win it even though he was super inventive with what he was doing especially with the sunken place i know a lot of critics were really raving about the way he was able to kind of create such a a literal metaphor for what is going on in the world called the sunken place and it's really fascinating to see it kind of takes this 
the movie on this weird trippy break uh, that up until then had been very straightforward about what it was doing. And then after that, everything kind of gets real batshit crazy. And it's kind of really fascinating to watch what Peel is able to do. And then lastly, continuing, like I said, Peel also gets nominated for his best original screenplay. Uh, this category is uh is so interesting to look at i think this is way more strong compared to the adapted screenplay he's up against four really tough competitors that i think could win any of them you know three billboards lady bird shape of water and the big sick all of four of those movies are really fantastic well scripted great dialogue good story arcs i talked about uh last week my issues with three billboards and it being you know my biggest weakness with it but you you can't fault the dialogue in that movie so if they decide to go with a really snappy dialogue winner i can see it being three billboards especially if that one's best picture shape of water i think might be a bit tough since the two lead actors don't speak so it's tough to go off of dialogue for them when they spend the most time on screen. Um, Lady Bird, I thought, had the best dialogue, better than Three Billboards, uh, and I think it had a much more rounded story. And The Big Sick, you know, I had a few issues with that movie, but I think its screenplay it was pretty fantastic and what they were able to do with it, turning a true life story uh, into something that's so well-rounded as it was. Oh, I don't, at this point, you know, it's really hard to say. I would love to see Get Out actually win this one. This might be the best picture that they're not actually giving out. As I've said before, that I find the screenplays to be what the, the real best picture usually is. So I could see this going to either Lady Bird or Get Out. Uh, personally, I'd like to see it go to Lady Bird, but I think Get Out stands a really strong chance as well if Three Billboards doesn't end up being as powerful of a movie as it might be looking at right now. Call Me By Your Name was directed by Luca Guadagnino and was released on January 19th. The movie has four nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Timothy Chalamet, Best Adapted Screenplay by James Ivory, and Best Original Song by Suvian Stevens uh, for The Mystery of Love. So right off the bat, you know, this is so tough to say about where it stands for Best Picture, um... I recorded uh, what was an Oscar nomination recap, but uh, didn't end up being able to post it because I had audio issues, and and Sammy joined me, and we talked about it, and we both kind of mused, wondering if the Academy would be willing to give uh, Best Picture back-to-back to queer-centric movies after last year's Moonlight win. Uh, and, you know, that was also kind of also a, a black-focused story. And so you wonder if maybe politics will, will play into this a little bit. It's so tough to say at this point. Um, I loved Call Me By Your Name. It might be... I, I've seen all but Phantom Thread at the time of this recording, and it's probably my favorite one out of all of them. It definitely hit me the hardest, but I think, you know, I talked about the tears of 
who's the likely front runners. So you got the first tier and the second tier that I mentioned. I would say Call Me By Your Name probably resides in the third tier along with Phantom Thread. Um, it really doesn't stand a chance to win. You know, I, I talked about what Dunkirk would have to go through as being probably my third ranked uh, odds on favorite to win. And I'm basically getting down to the sixth and seventh ranked movies at this point for where call me by your name will end up being. And, and unfortunately it just does not have a chance to be there. Hopefully with all of its nominations more people will be curious to see this. This is such a beautiful and tender movie and a great coming-of-age story that is just really important to see. And I, and I definitely hope more people are checking it out based on the attention it's getting for its nominations. Then you've got Timothy Chalamet for, for Best Actor. And if I was voting, Chalamet would be my, my runaway winner so far. Uh, I still need to catch up on a couple nominees, but it looks like Gary Oldman's the presumptive, presumptive nominee. Uh, it's sort of going to be a lifetime achievement award for him and he's doing the prosthetic thing and he's doing the accent. He is British, but he's doing the Winston Churchill accent and doing all that sort of stuff. And while Gary Oldman is great, he's always great. I think Chalamet does so much more with his role and, and, I really wish he would win. You know, if, if the Academy was in the habit of actually awarding the most deserving candidate, not based on who did they miss the last time around, Chalamet, I think, would be the clear cut winner for this, uh, and not Gary Oldman, who might even be second or third on the list if that was the case. Um, it's going to be a damn shame to see Chalamet lose, but based on his performances between Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird, two vastly different characters, I do not think this is going to be the last time we're going to be seeing him nominated, much like Lucas Hedges, who co-starred in Lady Bird, who I think was a pretty phenomenal actor in that as well, showing why he's such a good up-and-comer. We've got best adapted screenplay. You know, I was just talking about, uh, best original screenplay, uh, earlier for, um, forget out and i was saying how i thought that category was stronger than the adapted screenplay and it really is uh, a lot weaker comparatively i think that call me by your name probably might be the the winner in this um mudbound might kind of sneak up and get this there's no way they're going to give it to the disaster artist with all the kind of controversy surrounding it i don't think they're going to give logan it because it's kind of a comic book movie and there's still a stigma attached to that. And, and Molly's Game, I know Aaron Sorkin is a huge favorite of the Academy, but Molly's Game definitely did not get the critical reception um, that it really kind of uh, bellies for the, the chance it gets. So I really think Call Me By Your Name is probably going to be the runaway winner for this with you know maybe one or two others sneaking up behind it to steal some votes. But I think this is definitely going to be Call Me By Your Names to lose. And lastly, we've got Best Original Song. Um, I love this. I had only seen, unfortunately, three of the movies so far. Um mystery of love you know it has such an important part of playing in the final scene of this movie i'm not going to talk about what happens but uh the main character played by Tim timothy chalamet uh 
is having uh, a, a bit of an emotional moment and this song is playing and the camera is just focusing on Chalamet's face and what is going on inside his head and the two the visuals of Chalamet's beautiful acting and Steven's beautiful song combined together is something unforgettable. Unfortunately, it's such a quiet and unassuming song otherwise. It just, I don't think it stands a chance. You know, you've got um, Coco, which is such a popular one, written by uh, the team that did uh, Frozen's Let, Let It Go. And then you also have uh, the song from Marshall stand up for something, which the Academy really does enjoy its political or protest songs. So I think those two are, are really the, the front runners. And then of course there's a musical, uh, from the greatest showman, uh, which could be in contention too. I would love to see, uh, the mystery of love win, but unfortunately it really does not stand a chance. Oh, to see without my eyes. First time that you kissed me Boundless by the time I cried I built your walls around me White noise, what an awful sound last movie that we're going to talk about today is The Post, which was directed by Steven Spielberg and released on January 12th. The film has two nominations, Best Picture and Best Actress for Meryl Streep. Um, so right off the get-go, we're going to talk about Best Picture, and this does not stand a chance. There is zero way this movie comes up. Frankly, I don't even really know why it's there. I, I just saw it a few days before I'm recording this, and it really wasn't that good. It just made me want to watch All the President's Men instead, which is a far superior film that deals with uh, a similar subject matter as far as the Washington Post and in the issues of reporting in the Nixon administration. Um, this movie was such a, a mixed bag of performances of actors that didn't seem to belong in that movie. Uh, the movie not really being about Nixon, but about Donald Trump and kind of hitting your over the head about the theory of fake news and, and reality and truth and facts winning over and all this sort of stuff. But man, it is just a hot mess. This is, this is safely, uh, the ninth movie out of nine on the way balloting will come out. Um, Spielberg rushed this into production and, and editing uh, in order to have this come out this year so that way it would be of the times. And unfortunately, I think it shows. I think he should have spent a little bit more time with this. He actually filmed this after Ready Player One, which doesn't come out for another few months. And obviously, that's a lot more um, CGI heavy. But yeah, he really should have let this gestate a little bit longer uh, to figure out a way to make this better because th this is not a good movie. And then second, we've got uh, Meryl Streep for Best Actress. You know, Meryl Streep once again is nominated. She's always a great actress, but this is another one where I'm not too sure why she was nominated for it. 
she wasn't really doing anything out of the ordinary, especially for Streep. She wasn't bringing anything new to the table that we're not seeing with some of the other nominees. So I, I don't think she should have been nominated. And frankly, there's no way that she's going to win. Um, Streep also kind of suffers from being in the Academy's eyes too much. They sort of think that she's won recently even though she doesn't usually she did win somewhat recently for the iron lady but i think she's had one or two nominations since then before the post and then before iron lady i think it had been about 15 or so years maybe even longer for her previous win she really does not win all that often i think she only has four wins despite having i think 18 or so nominations at this point whatever it is uh i can't even remember it's so high um streep doesn't stand a chance it's going to either francis mcdermott saoirse ronan or margot robbie um even sally hawkins i think did a much more interesting and better job with with her role than what streep had brought to the table for that so that wraps up our second episode of the Oscar Primers. Um, make sure you go to liveandlimbo.com and check out the show notes where I'm going to have uh, these four movies listed with their nominations. You've got to find a link to the last podcast that I did. Um, and where I talked about at the top of the show, and you can also find links to the written Oscar primers. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at ContraZoomPod or my own account at DGAPA. Uh, and thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for our next Oscar Primer podcast. <laughs>